This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Shortcode Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. Don't fixate on that. <laughs> Move your eyes over to my co-hosts here in SCP Studio One, Aaron Pazaski. Hello. Levi Endelman. Hey. Kylie Miller. Bless. And Irene, and Irene Morquende. Hi. There are a bunch of M1s just finishing up your first year, am I right? Yeah. Uh, so close. Got a week left? Yeah. 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 One yeah. week, one exam. One exam? Yep. You guys got this. I'm glad. I'm predicting that you will, I, that you will be co-hosts on the Short Code Podcast. Continuing on. Like, we, you're not going to be kicked out of med school. Oh, oh okay. Good. Are we still allowed oh. to podcast if we don't make it to uh, next year? No. Okay. Oh. That's, your, that's, that's actually the main punishment. Not getting kicked out of med school. You don't get to podcast anymore. Sorry. Aww. You know, uh, today uh, is a special day, though. It's the day when M1s, M2s, and M3s are offered definitive proof that it's possible to get through medical school alive if not completely unscathed. Uh, graduation day is today hey. as we record this. M4s are getting their diplomas and will soon head off to their residency programs to start a new uh, chapter in their medical education. Uh, folks like our own John Pianta, Cole Chaney, and others who I will miss terribly. Uh, this is always a bit of a bit of a sad time of year for me because my, my buds move on. But I get new buds because the life cycle continues. Soon I'll get to convince a new group of students. Fresh, fresh faces. From, fresh mm-hmm. from from undergrad programs across this great nation of ours to be my friend. And non-traditional students from the workforce all over the United States. True that. Just saying. Don't people, leave out those old people. I, I'm sorry. Holler. I'm sorry. People just like our guest on the show today. Fellow podcaster and undergrad from Ohio State University, Terrell Jackson. She's the creator and host of Health Science for the Rest of Us. Terrell, welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you. Oh, pre-meds. All right. <laughs> You are, uh, I think, decidedly non-traditional, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. T- what, what? yeah, I'll be a, a career changer. So um, a music therapist by training, yeah. working in a comprehensive cancer center and taking pre-med uh, or medical school prereqs at night while people sleep. So <laughs> <laughs> when do you times. sleep? Yeah. When do you sleep? Uh... <laughs> I did about I did about six hours last night, so that's not bad. Nice. Yeah, that's that's normal American sleep right there. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's that's sad, but, sad but fine. Yeah, it was a good night. <laughs> so you 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 uh, you you brought yourself to our attention recently uh, because you you wrote to me and said some very nice things, uh, including that you were that you were inspired by us to start a podcast of your own. This uh, this I find shocking, but uh, thank you. For that, uh, yeah. tell tell us more about uh, how inspirational we are. No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no. Tell us about health science for the rest of us. Oh yeah, well, it was sort of a brainchild of mine that happened unexpectedly. I I have interest in 
helping people understand more about their bodies and about health claims that they hear on the internet. And I had a limited opportunity to work with people and talk about health science and talk about why avocado probably isn't the cure for cancer, but Mm. it was a very small scale effort. And after I heard the episode where you all were talking about science communication and podcasting, I decided I could probably do that. And then I put it off for a while and then eventually came back to being able to start what is now uh, a podcast where we take a simple practical look at the body, its shenanigans, and the world of fascinating ways we try to keep it healthy. There's the tagline. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a great show. I, um, you have uh, 17 shows under your belt, so I feel like this is a, a, this is a going concern at this point. You know, there's a, there's a, have you heard of the, uh, of the pod fade at this point? What? No. What is that? So that it sounds serious. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, basically, uh, a lot of podcasts uh, end after episode seven. Um, really? You can, yeah. If you can break through that episode seven barrier, that may be a, a that's a signal that you're gonna you're gonna continue on and be successful and be you know persistence. I feel like that's the token number that they always pick. It's like after seven years of marriage, like it's the sign that you'll stay <laughs> together forever. Seven podcasts, like. Yeah. Why the number seven? I don't know. That's really really odd because starting out, I read books that I could find at the library about podcasting and about radio. And the advice that I consistently saw was when you launch the podcast, you need to launch seven episodes all at once. And so that was what I did. Maybe that's why. I started out with seven. Oh, well, there you go. See, automatically you, uh, maybe that's why. Shatter the threshold right away. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, um, your 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 show basically covers uh, sort of interesting topics in healthcare and the body and things like that, as you said. Uh, how do you pick your topics? Well, my ultimate goal was to get to a point where I have 52 episodes so that I would be able to partner with a local school or community center oh, good to idea. do live episodes with little health science experiments and stuff, hands-on things. Yeah. And so when I was starting out, I sat down and wrote out a schedule of 52 episodes based on the information that I felt was readily available with regard to resources I had, with books that I had access to, literature that I had access to. And then after that, I completely ignored the schedule. So yeah. <laughs> now I find people will send me text messages and uh, they'll say things like, uh, can't tell if the flu or preggers. And then that became an episode. Or, <laughs> That's you know, the... I see someone in the hallway at work and they said, yeah, I'm going to Vietnam and I have no idea what shots I need. And then that became an episode. So I have a schedule, but I don't, I don't always follow it. I just sort of get inspired by things that other people say to me and yeah. then make episodes. What's so impressive is that you had a list of 52 things. Like, I just did a year of med school, and I don't know that I could come up with 52, like, health things to talk to people about. So, props. That rabbit hole goes deep. There's a snot episode. There's a hot flashes episode. Yeah, these are... get real. These are all on your list of future future topics, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Snot's snot's a great... I I feel like snot's a good one. That's actually one that I listened to. I heard the snot one this morning. (laughs) Talking about, like, neti pots and stuff. Or is that a different one? There will be a different one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same one. Oh. <laughs> you know, if there's one thing we love on the Shortcode Podcast, it's a pun. Um, oh, I thought it was me. You know <laughs> also, yes. 
Do you have anybody that helps you with the podcast or um, do you do everything yourself? Right now, it's just me. Um, part of my decisions in what type of recording software I was using and what type of editing software I would use and what type of format I would use revolved around the fact that I knew it would probably be just me, at least for a little while. And uh, I'm hoping that maybe in the future, other people will be interested in volunteering, especially for things like fact-checking, because mm. that can be a, a time-consuming part. And I want there to be uh, integrity and you know accuracy in this mm-hmm. show. Yeah, we, and, do, we don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, so if, you know, if, if, if I find someone who wants to volunteer and do that with me, that would be helpful one day. Or if someone else would want to volunteer with the editing, that is probably the biggest chunk of time. Each episode probably takes four to six hours to edit with all the sound effects and everything. Goodness. Wow. Well, that's so what that's I was the biggest chunk. I was like super like blown away when I started listening to it. I was like, wow, this sounds so professional and yeah, like yeah, really real. put together. And you sounded like a natural podcaster and it flowed so well. And even Siri, you know, she was like pretty consistent with her delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yay! I, I thought Thank that you, was PR. really great. <laughs> but it's even more impressive that you're doing everything yourself. I mean, the editing, like you said, sounds like it takes a long time. Did you have any experience with um, like sound editing before or did you just learn all of this as you researched podcasting? Part of it I learned as I researched podcasting, especially um, concepts about how you should speak and how you should enunciate. I have a problem with diphthongs, but you probably can't tell because (laughs) I rehearse my diphthongs. So some of it comes from research that I did. And then part of it came from my background as a music therapist and having familiarity and experience with things like GarageBand and microphones and oh, uh, nice that explains awesome. it that explains it that explains a lot because uh so i was listening to your to your show and comparing it to to our first you know 17 shows and i was like <laughs> damn she sounds good i go back to you yeah. go back to like episode three or four and it sounds like we're recording in a bathroom and <laughs> like you know static and god it's just terrible uh, for the non-traditional students um, out there listening, uh, you mentioned you're currently uh, music therapy and then the ultimate goal now being uh, medical school. Why Why the transition? That's a funny story, and I'll tell you the short version. <laughs> the, short version <laughs> the short version is that when I applied for undergrad way back when in 19... 19- I applied as a biology major with the intention of pursuing medicine. But at the same time, I was deeply, deeply involved in music. And two months before I was scheduled to go to school, someone said, well, you know, you don't have to give up one or the other. You could choose a career that allows you to do both. And so that was what I did. I I did that for a long time and then reached a point in my career here 11 years later where I felt like I want to do more. I want more, um, I want more skin in the game. Mm. Um, I want to expand my scope of practice to the highest level of clinical expertise to give myself more option to, to participate in other parts of healthcare, um, with maybe things like policy or public health initiatives or health literacy, things like that while maintaining the bulk of my day, 
doing the highest level of clinical work. And so when, you know, my life reached a point such that I was available to do that, I decided to go ahead and explore how I would take the prereqs and what the new MCAT would be and how I would balance everything with work. And believe it or not, that is the short version of the story. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was no, just curious because I, uh, I come from a, a small school where a music therapy was a really big program. And uh, so was uh, people that wanted to do uh, like a biology pre-med route and, and go to medical school. So I was just curious. We actually had um, a complimentary and alternative medicine kind of panel come speak to us in class, and one of them was a music therapist. And I was like, wait, what? That's a real job. Like, how did I not know this early on? Um, but it was, somebody, like, super yeah, cool. Some, and somebody said that to me in the elevator this morning. A surgeon <laughs> said that to me. Yeah, the surgeon probably needs a little music therapy themselves. Yeah. But uh, is that something you kind of want to continue in some aspect uh, going forward into medical school, like on a volunteering basis or um, like just bringing music to people? Well, my first choice in terms of specialties is palliative care. Ooh, so I think, nice. Yeah. So I think that there will still be room to be a part of that world, even if maybe it's perhaps on an administrative level, being an advocate or a way maker for improving or increasing the opportunities or the the availability of, of services and programs like that. But I try to take things one step at a time because as you all know, it's a very long path and there are a lot of steps and just try yeah. and get through one semester at a time. <laughs> Yeah. Well, like even even here, uh, just within our our first year class, we have several folks that are uh, involved in music in in some capacity or another. I know Aaron here plays in the orchestra. I play I in a hospital jazz band, and Kylie sings really well. And Is Irene, Kylie what the do one you with do? The video about the guy who gave her the coffee. The what? What? There was a video where she's singing about a handsome yeah. guy oh, who gave her coffee. Oh. My gosh. Oh, was that at Carver's Got Talent? Yeah, it was. Paying attention. So Did you, funny. like, find that on the interwebs? Oh. <laughs> Kylie's famous. That, okay, <laughs> I'm blushing. It's on the YouTube. Ooh, now people so are going to go search that, and it's going to be real weird. She's really good, though. Mm, For real. Yeah. Um, Irene, am, what are you, what are you, what's your musical talent? I am actually musically inclined. Uh-huh. I was placed in a music school oh. here in Iowa City. You're placed there? Like- I, my parents. <laughs> Once she got kicked out Sorry, of real Mom. kid school. Um, I played piano oh. for many, I think like 18 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I played violin and, for nine years, so I well, got a little music in Yeah. In, I followed my brother's footsteps, and in you know in fourth or fifth grade, they let you pick an instrument if you want to do mm-hmm. it? And I was like, I'm going to do violin like my brother. And then like two years in, I was like, I don't like this at all. Yeah. Although it's it's beautiful and hindsight, I should have kept it going. But I actually really just wanted to sing, and I was involved in all things singing. But then I realized that it's really scary when people watch you do yeah. that. <laughs> what 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 what, uh, what instruments do you did you play, um, Terrell? Trumpet is my principal instrument. Yeah, I haven't played it Woo-hoo. in a long time. Yeah, mm. the, the the noisy thing. I don't know why, but I, <laughs> exactly. I had a similar experience in fourth or fifth grade where the school has you choose which instrument you want to play. Oh, yeah. And I don't know why, but I thought I wanted to be uh, Louis Armstrong, and so that was why I chose. That's awesome. Sure. I love girls in brass. Like, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> that came later. I didn't know that that was a thing until later, but initially I just thought, oh, I want to be like that guy that we danced to in the living room. 
I'm a non-traditional student. I have a kind of a similar story to you in that I went into college thinking I wanted to do bio and then I fell in love with something else. And then after college was when I decided to do medicine. Um, but I was, I had an experience where like my family, medicine is in my family. Like my, I have, my dad is a doctor. I have siblings who are, um, were in med school at the time. Do you come from a medical background or, I mean, how did that play into your life and your decision? Oh, no, I definitely do not. Uh, my mother is the first person in our entire family to go to graduate school. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, both my sister and I went to college. I went to graduate school. I'm hoping my sister will show some interest in graduate school, but no pressure if she's listening. Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> but, Meanwhile, um, I'm over here yeah, telling no my one, sister. <laughs> no one has doctorates in our family. There are no medical doctors in our family. We don't have any nurses in our family, so I am... I just think that's so amazing. I don't so want to say I'm a weird duck, but it's different yeah. than the other folks in my family. And they're all they're all sort of, um, they were nervous at first because they hear about things in the news like needle sticks and yeah uh, that sort of thing. They, they were afraid I was going to get Ebola or something. <laughs> <laughs> but um, now they're really supportive and they're really excited about this path that I'm on. That's awesome. I think that's so important. And I always have wondered, um, like, what it is that sparks that and what keeps you going. Because for me, I mean, like, I I love medicine and it's been, but it's been a part of my life forever and I've grown to love that. But for you to find that spark and to be so passionate about it and to do the podcast and to be so involved, like, I just think that's so cool. I definitely blame my mother because where <laughs> it all started was... <laughs> When I asked where babies came from, <laughs> and my my dad promptly disappeared underneath the dinner table. <laughs> That's when things got real. Yeah, my uh, my mother took me the next day to our public library and took me to the health sciences section they have for children. And so many of my early memories of spending time with her were in libraries. Wow. She just let me read about whatever I wanted. Oh, she, that's that awesome. Your mom. Yeah. Yeah. That touches my heart. It's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. moms out there. Yeah. Props. And you can like be a mom and go to med school. We've got moms in our classes yeah. first years. Mm-hmm. We got dads too, but like parents pat on the back doing the real heavy lifting. I'm always interested in, in the voices people use on on their in their on their podcasts, you know? And your show's voice is interesting. When you speak, it's very deliberate, very measured. Is that, was that like, it sounds like that's something you set out to do. Yeah, that probably comes from my music background too, that there is a certain drama and interest in the way that language is presented and, and the way that messaging is presented. So part of that comes from the music background. And then the other part really, I, I made the joke about NPR earlier, but mm. part of that really does come from NPR. They right. have a book called Sound Reporting. And they have an entire chapter about the delivery of information in reporting, especially information that may not be uh, easily understood by the general public unless you are very deliberate in how you say things and choosing words that come across easily. If a person is just hearing the words rather than having an opportunity to read the word and then go back and read it again or... um, you consider that people might not have the opportunity to replay what you said or to repeat what you said. And so I try and 
write the episode and deliver the episodes in a way where people can just sort of passively listen and still get the gist without having to go search for extra information or do a double take. What did she say? <laughs> well, it's also super calming, I find. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> yeah. felt that, like, for sure, when I was listening to a couple episodes of your show, Aaron and I, like, put in our headphones and we just walked some laps around campus because, you know, sitting is the new smoking. And in med school, you're going <laughs> to sit a lot. <laughs> so we just put them in and I could just, like, walk and just take in nature and your voice was calming. And, I was, yeah, I was wondering if you wrote out what you were going to say before because it does sound so thoughtful and well-delivered. Oh, yeah. This is why the editing takes so long. (laughs) For every two minutes of perfectly delivered sentences you hear, there are probably 15 minutes in my computer trash can where I mispronounce the word. (laughs) It's the diphthongs. It's the diphthongs. I'm telling you. I I take exact, probably exactly the opposite approach. I mean, (laughs) I, um, I constructed this show on the basis of just not editing i don't like to edit i hate it and i mean it definitely shows (laughs) i think sometimes um i prefer to think of it as uh you know authentic but but what it really comes down to is uh i don't want to do any work uh or i want to do as little work as possible i mean you know my defense is this isn't my my full-time job so i can pretty much only justify spending about about uh you know six hours or so on on a show and that's not even that doesn't include editing and all this. Why, why do I feel like I'm justifying my existence? Never mind. Okay. okay. <laughs> Probably because I come into your office every day and question that existence. Yeah, you're like, day. are you working? <laughs> <laughs> well, so sorry. Um, you're a co-host, certain well-known digital assistant who lives in many of our phones. Uh, why did you Why did you decide to do that? That was sort of one of those happy accidents we had <laughs> mentioned before that. I knew that I needed the show to be sustainable even if I was the only one working on it. And I knew that some of the information I was going to be talking about would not necessarily seem super approachable to people unless I found some way to infuse a kind of conversational style to it. So I was trying to figure out how I would accomplish that if I was the only person doing the episode. And then just by happenstance, I did the uh, the dictation function on my phone, and I said, Siri, do you want to do a podcast with me? And she said something like, uh, I already have everything that I need, or something snarky in <laughs> true so Siri fashion. And I thought, wow, if I could get permission to use that on the show, that would be really helpful, because then I can discuss these health topics in ways where we touch on the human aspects of the experiences people might have with homemade pregnancy tests or with snots or ambulance rides, but also have this other computer component where it makes sense to have her talk about the statistics or the numbers or really data-driven comments without it seeming uh, overly technical. Mm. Or with the body odor episode, I wanted to talk about the science, but also talk about sort of the anthropology of body odor And it made sense to have my voice and hers because she might be able to speak to chemical compounds and olfactory processes, (laughs) but she can't understand why one smell is pleasant to a certain person 
and unpleasant to a different person and how that can be influenced by these sort of unspoken cultural biases and things like that. So it turned out that she was, she's been a really helpful tool in helping me give more character to the show and make the content more approachable. So, so you said something that immediately caught my attention. You have permission? So what had happened was, <laughs> uh, I read the terms of agreement for <laughs> you the read Apple those? trademark. Oh, yes. He's and I'm always people. like, agree, 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 scroll, agree. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Absolutely. Yeah, I just yeah, sell my soul <laughs> without even yeah, looking. The major concern that Apple would have or that they describe in their documents is that you misrepresent what the program is designed to do or that you use it in a way that is not intended to be used. And so I thought I was in the clear and I did the first seven episodes didn't misrepresent what the program is designed to do. All she's doing is reading text that I type. And then I submitted the podcast to the iTunes people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whose job it is to go through and <laughs> list to all your episodes and make sure that you're not infringing upon any intellectual property. And I said, Oh, I'm, I'm in the clear. This is fine. Everything's going to be okay. But then the first day passed. I know it's scary. And then the second day passed and then the third day passed. And I was really starting to get nervous and sweat it out because I thought, what if they come back and tell me that I have to erase all the parts that have Siri in there. But finally on the sixth or seventh day, uh, someone said, yeah, this is fine. You can go ahead and load this. And I was able to make my new year's Eve launch date. I'm I'm really I'm really I'm really glad that you that you brought it up because I wasn't going to say anything earlier today. <laughs> I, I was in uh, I was in my office and Kylie had wandered in and commented about my work habits as she often does. And you were um, sitting in the dark, Dave. And, <laughs> and, I, and we were talking about you know your the show today and and I said oh I, I'm a little worried about her uh, and and her use of Siri and you know is that going to be a problem for her in the future and we had this conversation about it. I'm really glad that that you, uh, I, you know, because some people, you know, when I first started podcasting, again, you know, I was, uh, you know, sort of, this is on a, on a show that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I, you know, I used other people's photos and music and all this kind of stuff, and and I didn't have a full appreciation of the P's and Q's, as you say. I'm just impressed that you got her to work in such magical ways because every time I use her, she's like, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. I'm like, okay, we're just going to shut you off for a little while. (laughs) If I had, if I had like a nickel for every time that my Siri only came on in class to go, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Right after a professor tries to make a point. Yeah. Yeah. I could buy a whole lot of coffee or whatever else (laughs) with those nickels because it happens all the time. So I was impressed by your series functioning. How do you, how do you think being a med student um, in the future is going to change what you do for the show? Wow. I don't even know that I will be able to still do the show. I think it would be good if I could still do the show because I think once it grows and starts to reach into some of these places where maybe people don't have necessarily other access to interesting content about health and health science, it will still be helpful. But I also know that my schedule is going to be very busy Mm -hmm. with all the coursework and all the different projects and things that are required. So my goal would be to keep doing the podcast, but I have thought for 
I have thought about options for if I would want to hand the podcast over to someone else or bring in other people to work on it with me to make it something that I could manage while doing medical school. But that's so far off. <laughs> that's so far <laughs> in the future. When I say I'm on a slow path, I can't even, it's not even an exaggeration. I'm taking usually one medical, medical school prereq and then maybe an elective per semester mm. because I found out the hard way that that is the most tenable way for me to do that while working at a hospital full time. So okay. I have some time to figure it out. Got some epi- <laughs> we'll you got some episodes to come. All right. Yeah. That's good. That's and awesome. I feel like med school admissions are going to love you. They like, are. What a musical therapist. And like, then you have this podcast that's interesting. And hopefully if the admissions committee is like worth anything, they're going to look up your podcast and take a listen and see like, oh, she's a cool down to earth human and we should let her in. Yep. <coughs> Iowa, gonna... Iowa, pick this one up. Yeah. Definitely a, a couple of things not everybody has on their application. Yeah. For sure. They will now. Yeah. <laughs> it starts here. Oh yeah. boy, cat's out of the bag. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love cats. Okay. <laughs> Damn it, Kylie. <laughs> so on my phone, I really couldn't visualize the whole titles, but I knew there was an episode about farts. So I actually listened to Neti Pots and then like Aftertaste. But if you could tell me like the most important takeaway from the Farts podcast, <laughs> like maybe a spoiler alert in case I don't get to it in the near future, what is one thing I should know from the fart episode? That one is still being worked on, but I guess the takeaway is that you don't necessarily get urinary tract infections from farting and then having that gas pass from the anus up into the vagina. Hey, that's... that's I was so worried. My takeaway. (laughs) Is this something people... People are nervous. I had Let's no idea. Let's check Yahoo Answers. <laughs> oh, I'm sure yeah. someone's asked that. Oh, man. I guarantee, that, I guarantee that it. It just sounds like a special like version of something you'd get in hell. <laughs> we did have an episode of this a uh, couple of months ago where we did go through Yahoo Answers and try to answer people's medical questions. Oh, we do oh, it. It's one of my favorite things. I do it as much as, as I can get away with. Maybe you can do a show, Terrell, on things like uh, public health issues. Would you, is that something that you would consider doing a show on or are you just gonna stick to farts (laughs) no there will be a few public health issues um i'm planning to do a show on vaccines Mm -hmm. i'm planning to do a show on the history of human experimentation versus clinical trials clinical trials get it girl and um the other one i have coming up for sure in june will be on professional guinea pigs which is a thing so (laughs) interesting well, yeah. I, I bring it up because I, I, I couldn't fail to notice this week um, the JAMA internal medicine study that talks about um, life expectancy in the U.S. Ooh. And the fact that uh, depending on which county you live, you could be, you know, you could have a lifespan of 20 years less than other counties in the U.S., which to me is uh, amazing. Um, the, so apparently the issue is diseases of despair, conditions rooted in things like social isolation and, mm-hmm. and poor job prospects, addiction, mm-hmm. obesity, dysfunctional family situations. Um, and, and eight of the counties which showed the biggest drop in longevity are in Kentucky and the other two in the top 10 are Alabama and Oklahoma. 
So like Appalachia, Mississippi <coughs> Delta. Red states. <laughs> the areas of the Dakota. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> areas of the Dakotas that have big Native American populations are also among those with shorter lived residents. And um, it, it's, it's just incredible to me that, you know, in a country that's as wealthy as the U.S., uh, that we suck so hard at, at, <laughs> a at living, at living a, 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 a normal lifespan. Well, I already put in my two cents about um, the sort of, sort of political leanings or structuring of those states' um, infrastructure and probably health funding. Um, or like state expansions of Medicaid that have been shown to increase the health outcomes uh, good, or positive health outcomes of populations. But I also think some of those are places that either experience a lot of brain drain or have trouble like recruiting maybe more um, health providers to the areas and they might be medically underserved, but also just more rural areas, yeah. North Dakota, Kentucky, that you're going to see more food deserts, um, those sorts of things that are naturally going to contribute to poor outcomes for people. Yeah, no, that that it's it's all of that is true, and in in this country, it's hard to have health insurance if you don't have a job, right? Um, so that's kind of that's definitely uh, has to be an issue, I would imagine. It's pretty. It's pretty. They have a they have a great um, they have a great uh, interactive feature which you should go poke around at. Um, that basically you can click on a, on your county or wherever you want and find out you know how long people on average live uh, in that mm -hmm. county. Do you know where the counties are with the longest lifespan are? Probably well, near. that would have been a good thing for me to list, huh? That would have been a good thing <laughs> for me to prepare. <laughs> I'm willing to bet they're near cities that have educational institutions like the University of Iowa or <laughs> hospitals that are nearby because I feel oh. like a lot of in a lot of places, at least in Iowa, distance from a healthcare facility that has appropriate resources and technology and advancements to take care of people is super important because a lot of people they don't go to the doctor until they start feeling stuff mm -hmm. until something mm -hmm. is very very wrong especially um, with onsets of chronic diseases and acute diseases so if you're not close to something then and you're gonna wait until something goes wrong I feel like that kind of sets you up for for some trouble, mm -hmm. but I don't know for sure. Okay, so I did get to pull up this map. Thank you for doing my job. We see life expectancy. <laughs> um, so they break it down into 70, like 74, 74 to 79. And then 80 plus is kind of like the the maximum that seems to be on this graph. And you're looking at places like Orange County in California, mm -hmm. um, Santa Clara County, like uh, Marin County, wealthier affluent areas and some rando um texas county collin county that looks like you're not rando texas. collin county <laughs> <laughs> you shout out to any listeners Perfect, in just the way county. you are um and then teton wyoming has a life expectancy of 80.3 and a random place in florida again these are random to me just because it's a black map with one little blue area but uh collier county so i think terrell you should do a study <laughs> of how many of these counties have musical therapists in them? Ooh. We actually have a statistical profile on that. Do I you? could probably email it to you. We know where all the music therapists are, what settings they work in, what their level of education is. Why? And then associate that with longevity. Yeah. I'm not, I'll do it for money. 
Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not volunteering here. I've already said that I hate to work. But, uh, but you know, it could be interesting. Who knows? Who knows what kind of correlations we can, we can come up with? Well, I mean, there is some efforts underway to, uh, to sort of change these, of course. And, and, and I, you know, still get the feeling that they're not especially well um, coordinated with other efforts. You know what I'm saying? But, um, the, you know, things like um, alcohol, drug abuse, smoking, poor diet. Those are among yes, Kylie. I'm just oh. I'm just celebrating those things okay. in my life. <laughs> Alcohol, drug abuse, smoking, poor diet uh, are among the big causes of uh, sort of chronic health conditions, and poor diet is the leading cause of type two diabetes. Am I right? Oh yeah, diabetes. 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 Um, <laughs> well, on the grounds of this is interesting. On the grounds of a hospital in Pennsylvania, a new pharmacy just opened called the Fresh Food Pharmacy. Ooh, interesting. Uh, last year, 180 patients with type 2 diabetes took part in a pilot program, and they got basically free healthy groceries every yes. week. All they had to do was meet with a dietitian at the facility, which looks a lot like a grocery store now that they're official, and they're given recipes and instruction on preparing healthy meals, and then they go home with a week's worth of fresh food that's good for them, and, and, and it's also for their household. Um, I would like to give a shout out to Patricia Q who taught us in our healthy living lecture that eating fruits and vegetables is the best thing that you can do. The oh, number yeah. one thing that you can do to stay healthier and avoid chronic conditions. And I think she told us, not for sure, <laughs> that you should be eating like what, five, five? servings of fruits five. and vegetables a day. And most places, people don't even get they get like 1.5 or something and in like food desert areas it's like less than one so they gave us actually five simple rules do you guys remember five simple rules to do that Mm -hmm. um and it was have one fruit and vegetable with each meal um and that can you know relative average for the day if you have you know two servings with dinner whatnot but a fruit and vegetable with each meal uh drink one large glass of water before every meal yep stand up at least once an hour Stand on one foot while brushing your teeth. That's oddly my enough. personal favorite. I hated that. And then <laughs> it helps with balance. Walk briskly for at least like fifteen minutes a day. Yeah. Yeah. Irene has a concussion Ugh. from her from her experience standing on one leg and brushing her teeth. <laughs> and if you can do those five simple things, um, and they challenge us to do that because often doctors give their patients a list of things saying, if you can just change all these things and then come back. But we don't realize ourselves how hard it is to actually make a sustainable like habit change in our life. So I was trying to do those five things for a while. And let me tell you, it was real good for a few days. And it kind of, <laughs> kind of fell off. We were supposed to do a report on, on that for our, like we have those wellness passports. And I was like, you're supposed to tell them like what percentage of the time you actually did these things. And I felt like the walking 15 minutes was basically me being perpetually late to everything and just running <laughs> everywhere every day. And I just kind of kept with that. And I think it was working. Running, running did healthy. you guys do it? Yeah. <laughs> Looks. That would be no. no. Some parts, sometimes maybe. The walking. From my apartment to the bus to school and then back. Erin, you live like 85 seconds from the bus stop. I was intrigued <laughs> by the cost of diabetes. Um, <laughs> the This program estimates that, okay, so diabetes we know costs Americans $240 billion a year. Gosh, Dave, I'm sorry I'm part of the problem. I don't, I, <laughs> the program estimates that a one point decrease in A1C, which is the measure of, you don't know if it's the measure of 
the amount of sugar in your that coats your is this right the amount of sugar that's in you that coats the hemoglobin or molecule or something like correct that. sir all right <laughs> see i can read we have five you know people in this room and we chose dave to deliver the scientific that's facts. right and not the one person only siri was here has diabetes. Uh, <laughs> the program estimates that a one point decrease in a1c saves eight thousand dollars Jeez. which is wow. incredible uh so we got a lot of work to do got a lot of work to do but there's hope if only that was like applicable to tuition costs or like student loans and be like look i decreased my a1c by a whole percentage yeah, point yeah you get eight thousand like, bucks off right <laughs> but then you gotta Damn then you gotta start high and work it down yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that would be an incentive, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Med school has been an incentive for me. For, di- <laughs> for diabetes. For diabetes. Oh, well. What are we going to do? Life is, life is short. So what were the outcomes of this um, food uh, well, pharmacy? It, it's promising. They're, uh, they're, they're still in the, in the studying phases, but, you know, people, are, people seem to be doing well, um, losing weight. Um, and getting there. I think there. I think the average A1C change was negative uh, three. That's awesome. So it's really impressive. Yeah, like, like, just by like changing three, diet, not, not point three, three, three. Just by, I mean, <laughs> Levi's face. Three points. Uh, so I don't know what 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 would what's That's an huge. A what, what's a good what's a bad A1C value? Uh, they usually say higher than seven. Okay, so that's awesome. And I think normal people's is maybe four or less five, than four, yeah. less than I four. Would... I hope I'm right about that because uh, I did not write that down, but I, it did stick in my mind, so I'm probably right. Yeah, so that's that's why my jaw <laughs> kind of hit the floor there. Seems like I'm right. That's how we do, do that's how we I do. deal with things. I'm like, this, I'm this probably is the contrast right. between, between the Short Code <laughs> Podcast and Health Science for the Rest of Us, which is, you know, Health Science for the Rest of Us, research, planning, uh, sitting down and writing shows, um, and careful editing. No, the bigger picture here is life before medical school, carefully, you know, worked out, <laughs> meticulous, and then you get to med school, and it's like, shit show. <laughs> Not saying that our show is shit, just, I feel like a hot mess. In a good way. Seven. Yeah, I can confirm. Oh, I mean, I love it. I'm a great hot mess, but okay, it's a big metaphor. For you all, I probably wouldn't have a podcast. Oh. Aww. I'm well, glad. I'm glad you do because you know what? It's, it's it, great. It's one of it's it's one of our unstated goals, actually. One of my unstated goals is to encourage uh, uh, health learners, whether they're medical students, whether they're pre meds, whatever, to podcast because I find that f- for me personally, it's it's a good way to round up a week. It's a good way to sit back and reflect on what you know what's happening and on these guys process of becoming um you know doctors someday and and, uh that needs to happen that's very important and there's really not a lot i mean we we ask you you know when you go to med school terrell you're going to be asked to do like writing assignments folk reflect on this aspect of medicine are you smelling your armpit Ketchup. Body yeah. odor. Always ketchup. Yeah. But you <laughs> have put your feet all over me and you keep smelling your armpits and taking selfies. We should definitely edit that out. I was trying to be all serious here and she's sniffing her pits. No, no, no. Keep it. It's a good representation. Yeah. It's, it actually describes quite a bit. That's where we're at right now. But That's I, I, so true. So I'm glad it finally worked. Everything hurts. <laughs> that, that, uh, that a podcaster, that, that somebody else has become a podcaster. Um, good for you. 
And yeah, 17 episodes is like, that's, you're trucking along here. Keep going. I don't know how you do it. Yay. Um, well, listen, we've, uh, we've pretty much come to the end of our time today. I, thanks for joining us, Terrell. Yay. Thanks for having me. And thanks for all that you all do. Oh, uh, Terrell Jackson, host of the podcast Health Science for the Rest of Us. Uh, look for a show on iTunes or wherever you listen to fine podcasts. And, and thanks, Aaron, Levi, Kyle, Irene. Thanks for hanging out with me today. <laughs> Did I do that wrong? Her name is Kylie. Kylie. Oh, you shit. <laughs> you said Kyle, but I wasn't sure because I have friends that like use that as an affectionate term or like it's a nickname. That's what I meant. And then I was like, but Kyle. Dave, are we on that level? <laughs> <laughs> Let me do that again. Uh, oh. Aaron, Aaron, Levi, Kylie, Irene, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. You are so welcome. You're welcome. And thank you listeners for making this part of your week. If you like what you've heard today, leave us a review on iTunes. If you don't like what you heard today, remain silent. If you have a suggestion for something we should talk about or seek our collective wisdom on life slings and arrows, send it to the shortcodes at gmail.com or leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Argo Fox. I'll talk to you in one week. Bye.